0: Tim and Tom. State of the Union. Typically, you have the other parties one response. Mm-hmm. Democrats, are they have five responses. God, that's too much. Just one. We just need one. And everyone's left of center of uh, the, the main response, they say, is Joe Kennedy. And I get it. He's a Kennedy. So let's pimp out that name for more that we can get out of it. But um. just stop it. Five responses, and you wonder why you guys lose everything. Five responses to one speech from a guy who can't read past a third grade level.
1: I feel like the response is sufficient enough to just come up and go, I mean, really? And then just walk off.
0: All you have to say is like, yeah, right? Vote for me, 2020.
1: Hey, want to not repeat this? Vote for me. That's
0: it. That's all you got to say. Or just like, So like, you know, and God bless America. Right. And so then you fade to black as he you know shakes hands as he leaves. And then you fade up, you know, and there's Joe Kennedy and Joe Kennedy. Kennedy. All he has to do is just be like, I mean, right. I mean, really? No, just be like, right. He's guilty. Hey, so that's going to come up pretty soon. Why don't you, you know, give us a shot. You know, we're better than that. And then that's all I got to say. Thank you. God bless America. Nowhere else. And bow,
1: that's it. I just, you know what? I just don't want to hear their responses. And you know why? Because I honestly don't want to hear the State of the Union anymore. You know what I want these people to do? Do something. Stop telling me about what you're going to do. Stop telling me about what you've done that you didn't do and go do something. How many times do we got to sit over here and debate over, well, they might shut the government down again? Shut the government down. Shut up! Get to work and do something. This is ridiculous that any of these people could say that and get reelected again. It's mind-boggling to me. Why are we continuing to sit here and be like, well, you know, I mean, he's been our senator for, you know, eight terms. I mean, we've got, you know, I don't want to go with this other person. You mean the person who won't shut things down because they can't make a compromise? What happened to well, some no. dignity? Everyone
0: and- no no no. Oh. Everyone always this is a this is a universal thing way before politics became in vogue is everyone hates Congress but loves their congressman. Mm. That's how it's always been, right? Mm. So you ask everyone, how's Congress? Oh it's horrible. How's Claire McCaskill? Oh, I love her. Isn't she sweet? Mm. Oh, cleaver isn't he great Mm -hmm. that's how they always do it so yeah you're never going to change that because to them their thing if you ask
1: me who my congressmen are i'm not going to tell you that though i mean that's just i mean i guess i'm a little bit out of the norm i'm also in a state where i'm i don't align politically with the majority but i just don't man i don't i still don't get how we as the public are not understanding that we're allowing them to play these games right Yes, they could. They should theoretically be able to play it for four years, six years, whatever the term is, on any given thing. But if you pay attention, you hear them going, "Well, they won't. Uh, they won't let us slip this random thing that has nothing to do with the title of the bill into this thousand-page report uh, that we want to do, so that we get to use it to claim that you know they don't want to pass the free milk for baby kittens act." Uh, because we've got this one thing about, you know, uh, killing immigrants in, in here. Uh, you know, like, we, why are we voting for these people again? Like, this is nonsense. People aren't paying attention. It's annoying.
2: Tim and Tom.
0: As I said on the last podcast, I started a new job. Yeah. And I got fired. No, but oh. I am being tested every morning on the previous day's uh, information, and then uh, not this coming Thursday, but the following Thursday, I will be tested over 70 questions over a comprehensive test over everything. That's a lot. Yeah. So I'm stressed. I got new gray Ugh. hair. So I'm doing that on you a daily see it.
1: basis. Mm-hmm. You can see it. It's noticeable.
0: Well, I'm wearing a hat. Everyone's so
1: can... talking about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Nope, no one's talking Everybody. about it because I'm wearing a hat.
1: All wearing your friends. Hat. All your friends. Um uh, you're the only one. Okay. Um That's why and I'm so, talking about it. So we're saying the same thing. Why are you be mean? <laughs> I'm just messing with you, Tom. This is uh, this hey, is friendly friendly Joshing.
0: Well, I don't know who Josh is. Yeah, yeah, uh, right. Guess what I did though? Well, you didn't get I, fired. No, I revisited a very fun event that I haven't been to in a while, and that is the NWL.
1: Oh, oh the yes. NWL. Yeah, you told yeah, me yeah, that. I, I would have went had had I known you were going. Uh, but I was not aware you were going. Yeah, right. No, I would
0: have uh, went. went. You would. You I would have been, been Like, oh, I can't. I Maybe did I intend
1: can't. to go to that one because it was back in the Turner Rec Center in Kansas City, Kansas, right. which is which is insanely close to my house now. And I, uh, but I was not feeling well to begin with, and I had busted my. Rear end uh, around the house, which we'll get into more later, I'm sure. But uh, anyway, Wait a minute. You, were... you
0: live really close to the Turner uh, Rec?
1: No, I wouldn't say really close, but closer to any NWL event that they've had so far. Oh. Um, gotcha. okay. But I live probably a 20-minute drive now from it. Good. Yeah.
0: You should go to the next one. It was yeah. fun. It was a I will.
1: Fun. I wanted to go to this one, but, you know, things happen. It was life, fun. In the way. Yeah. yeah,
0: it was fun. Uh, so, yeah, besides studying every day and then revisiting the good old friends at the NWL, I've been kind of laying low.
2: Tim and Tom.
1: What have you been up to? Uh, Sick, uh, not well. Like a good chest cold, I'd say, is going on. You know those things where you feel mildly okay, but you're just coughing, hacking blah, all day long, so you feel not well. You know, I've had that going on. And then at the same time, we've still been trying to repair the leaks behind the wall and the, in the bathroom and the... And the kitchen remodel and all that. So it was just kind of a hard-working, not-feeling-well weekend for me. So, yeah. yeah.
0: I feel Uh, like, hold on. I feel like that's an every-weekend thing. Not the sick part. But
1: (laughs) there has been some times, though, where we get out and do things, you know? I I feel like we have not done that, but we kind of got ourselves into the remodel of the kitchen, and then at the same time, then we have repairs to do because there's a leak in pipes Behind the wall so it just kind of spread us out over a while and it's been a long period of time now you know ideally we do a project and then we take a couple weekends and you know relax a little more and go do something but it's been a while since we've done that Tom mrs. Tim and and I are in dire need of a of a uh, of a weekend off I think
0: well stay tuned for the third uh segment and I'll give you some fun weekend events mm-hmm, but yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that stinks i'm sorry yeah. man hey, you know it is what it is feeling better and, and you know things are coming along in the house where We are getting there and our good friend clayton who by the way uh, he's he's over there a lot helping us out because he just the guy knows how to do everything right he can tile he can drive a bobcat and regrade our road right he just knows all these things I mean, a very resourceful man and he says uh he's over there uh helping he goes oh yeah i heard on your podcast you say you've been doing all this stuff and i was like no no <laughs> no 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 no, no right? And he goes, yeah, you said, yeah, I did it all myself. And I was like, first of all, if I said that, nobody thinks that that listens to this, to this show. And two, I'm pretty sure I've, I've mentioned you specifically. And then I'm listening back now for a best of, uh, fall 2017, Tim and Tom that you'll hear coming up soon. Uh, I in fact mentioned him by name and said how well he's doing. So, uh, he only had one tile fall on his head over the course of the weekend, Tom. So there is that, you know, so overall it was a good weekend. Only one. Only one.
2: Tim and Tom. This Sunday will be
0: the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The Super Bowl
1: L2 or something.
0: Yeah, what do you,
1: what's your uh,
0: initial thoughts?
1: Uh, Patriots win. Lowell, Brady wins.
0: But how? Do you think it's a stomping of just like... You know, the last time because the last time these two teams met in the Super Bowl, it was a one-sided beatdown. Yeah. If memory really serves me correctly, yeah. Um, do I don't you think, think you'll get. Like
1: that? I don't think you'll get a mirror of that just because you have different. Well, I mean, you don't necessarily have different regimes, but you almost have the uh, you have the Andy Reid disciple who's doing things slightly different. You know, some would argue uh, running the offense better, but some would argue it's just a matter of having talent in a few key pieces. Um, so, uh, you know, take that as you will. That's up to everybody's interpretation when they watch the NFL. My initial reaction is that it will be a bit more of a high scoring affair. I think than than some other games, maybe that the Patriots grind out, they seem to be able to do both, right? They'll grind it out if that's what it is. The Patriots feel like they're going to score enough to win unless they just, for whatever reason, blow out a team or two that you'll see occasionally. But more often than not, I feel the Patriots win close games. You know, mm-hmm. that's the feel I get. Maybe that's the mm-hmm. ones I watch. I don't know. So that's what I feel, but I feel it'll be in your like 30s. Maybe one of the teams will have Yeah, I I don't think they'll have a four. Maybe it'll be like a high 28 to a 37 or something, you know, just kind of one Ooh. of those where, right. It'll be close enough, but I think we all kind of understood the whole game that the Patriots were winning. Right. One of those kind of things is how I feel gut reaction, but boy, what I love it. I want Nick Foles. Uh, holding that thing and just being like, "Yeah, Foles, son, uh I want him to say that. Well, I want him to be, you know what I mean? I want him to lick the trophy. I don't care, Nick Foles. I want Nick Foles. To- I don't know. You why want to, to lick a- the trophy. No, just do something weird and just be like, "I'm Nick Foles. I did this. Nobody thought I could do it. Right?" I want him to like drop it on the ground and be like, "I'm out, Nick Foles." Well,
0: th- if they if they do win and it. Is because of Nick Foles. I think that's the most interesting thing going into next year because Carson mm-hmm. Wentz, who is arguably exactly. the MVP of this season, what exactly. do you do? Now exactly. you have a Super Bowl winning quarterback and honestly, probably the NFL MVP Listen,
1: competing for one spot. Philadelphia has no Super Bowl trophy ever. Nick Foles, if he wins a Super Bowl, he's going to be like the most famous man in Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, they're in, actually going to make a real statue of a real there, person and not of a fictitious
1: boxer. There will be, right, there will be, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, one of the most, even some of the most famous people in Philadelphia history. Obviously, you have some of the founding fathers in there, so he's going to rank more below. More famous,
0: though, nope, more famous. But if you ask
1: the average Philadelphia walking around, I bet he, they, he would get named before they would. And then, yeah, he could be gone. He could be yeah. gone.
0: Or Insane go, to think about that. Or he just says, I'll be a backup. What? Yeah. I mean, he could easily say, like, I guess, You're yeah, like,
3: I'm a
1: eh. backup. Hey, man, I'm Foles. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm here if you need me. I, right. man, Because, yeah, you'd be a legend. You would never have then, to buy a drink again, and, but, then but you get to be
0: the scout team yeah. defense and never get hit. <laughs> oh, that's the. Lie. I would
1: say, hey, look, I'll give me you know two million more. I'll be your backup. Yeah, if, Carson
0: Wentz, Don't get hurt again.
1: When he gets hurt again, I'll come no, in.
0: just just hope that he does. Right, I know. Just retire. And then just retire and go off into the sunset. As the legend,
1: Nick Foles, Super Bowl L two champion. (laughs) All right, man. So what do you think?
0: I don't. I think it's going to be a stomp. I think the Patriots are going to stomp a mud hole and walk it dry. And I don't even think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be forty two seven. I maybe fifty six three something. I really do. I don't even think it's going to be close. I think. I think we're going to say Nick Foles. You know, trips over his shoelaces, <laughs> right. throws a pick, and then yeah. we all go like, yep, we get, we get another,
1: it. We get another butt fumble. Exactly.
0: Right? It was like, this is it. This is our life. It's going to be very similar, <laughs> I think, except for more high scoring from the Patriots. Uh, as the Denver Broncos-Seattle mm. Seahawks Super Bowl yeah. win, Peyton Manning threw that interception in, mm-hmm. like, the first play, and then they mm. never recovered, I think it's going to be a thumping.
1: So you've got Tom Brady licking the trophy
0: at the end. Yeah, I because I, yeah. this is what I hope happens, because I think the Patriots will win. I hope Tom Brady brings up his doctor who's not a doctor. They start throwing around <laughs> magic pills to the whole team. They're like, test us if you want. We won the Super Bowl. Bye-bye. And yeah. you just see all these sprinkling of, like, pills falling from the sky, and they're just he, taking it.
1: He steps on the football on the ground, and it squishes beneath his feet, and he's like, oh, oops.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just oh, is up, that yeah. deflated? Oops, Funny I'm retired. Yeah.
1: Peace. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Him and his doctor go skipping off into the sunset hand in hand.
1: Doctor Oz. Which,
0: Tom versus Time, that's a new documentary mm-hmm. on Facebook. I haven't seen it, but I saw the preview. Mm-hmm. He is a weird dude. He's really weird. Good. Thank God, whoever his PR team that like understood, hey, we've got a weirdo on our hands, and so let's not tell anyone anything about this guy. Mm-hmm. Just let the folklore and legend and myth grow. To where then we'll release these little sprinkles when he wants to later in his life, but no one will care because he won all those Super Bowls in previous. He is a wackadoodle. He, he is, is a yes, one wackadoodle.
1: You um, have to be. I, I've I've talked about this before. No, you when, don't. No, when you are that level famous, where famous people are like, oh, oh, Tom all Brady right. just walked in, or oh, Tom Cruise just walked in. You're that. You're crazy. You you. I, I, I don't think you necessarily have to be, but. Those people who obtain that level always are, always are. They're nuts.
0: Well, I think it's his regiment and he's like running in his backyard with shoulder pads, but shorts on. And he thinks that helps. I don't know. It's really weird. There's Uh,
3: very, yeah,
1: yeah, he's very weird. Yes.
0: Yeah. The other thing I'm looking forward to, though, is the Super Bowl halftime show. I'm a big fan of the halftime shows. Mm -hmm. This year we get Justin Timberlake. So this is the most intriguing question of them them all. And we are sports fans, but the game's not important. Like we said, Patriots will stomp them out. Uh, Will Justin Timberlake for the halftime Super Bowl entertainment bring back Janet Jackson?
1: Ooh, will he? What Um, do you think? I don't think so. Well, maybe yeah, I could see how they would do that as like this, oh, man. And it's like the most tweeted thing about ever. So, yeah, I'm going to say, yeah. Yep. You think so? Yep.
0: I think he's too afraid. I think, I one, think it's up to had... him.
1: I think it's it's a known thing and they're all cool with it.
0: No, he, yeah. he he's, a, he's a wackadoodle celebrity at that level. So, I think his ego will say, like, so no, she... if I'm doing the Super Bowl, well, but she's – she hasn't been relevant since the... Nipple very
1: true, game. very true, very true.
0: So, I don't know. I'm going to say no, because I think his ego says, I don't want to be overshadowed by this thing here. We're going to play it safe. Here's the hits. Here's Sync. Here's Pharrell. Here's Timberland. Cry Me a yeah. River. Uh, I don't think his ego would allow. Yeah, right, I'm going to get overshadowed by this yes. moment. Yes, so is he- you're
1: right. Yeah, no, I, and I think you're right there too. I think yes, because there is no benefit from that for him, and there really is no benefit from her. Because last I checked, there ain't a Janet Jackson album coming out, is there? So who knows? And if yeah. there is, does any? Ain't I mean, no one buying it. I, but man, I bet you it would sell insane if it came out right now.
2: Tim and Tom
0: now the grammys were this past weekend sunday night first off did you watch second what was your reaction because i know you did
1: mm-hmm. i did not watch a single second of it at all what night was that again sunday night, this oh, you, past know sunday night. you know what i was watching you know what i was watching then
0: well we'll get into that story after yeah. but let's just talk about the grammys so why mm. did you not watch the grammys because, because, because but grammys hold on mm. it's the night that music shines mm-hmm. It's the pillar of mm-hmm. the music industry.
1: It is the night that the music industry that focuses on that two or three genres of music that sound all exactly alike if you take a step back uh, it, it just the Grammys to me are just a what did I call it I was like it's it's the it's the music industry's version of masturbating to their own selfie. It's just about like, hey, here's the guys we hand-picked and paid advertising to shove in your face all year long and paid to get in radio rotation over and over and over again. And look amazing how amazing they did uh, because we didn't give you any choice. I mean, yeah, it's great. And, yes, some of them make wonderful music. You, we, we had a long discussion today about Bruno Mars. and you, Bruno Mars is great. You love him. Well, you smile I love him. on your face the moment I said Bruno Mars. It's fine. <laughs> And I get that, too. I mean, Bruno Mars is a fun music, right? You feel like, hey, man, I'm going to get up, and dance around a little bit because I feel like I'm the coolest guy in the room at this moment. And I love that. That's fine. But to me, he's not clean. To me, like, people say the Grammys is like, oh, this is the highest uh, achievement an artist can get in the music industry. And to me, I'm just like, I don't see it. Certainly, there was more meaningful, more uh, impressive songs out there than... Dip, dip, ba, da, bow. Look, I mean, like, come on, man. It's the same no. formulaic. And I said this to you. Yeah, Bruno Mars is great. But if Bruno Mars died two years ago, all of your favorite Bruno Mars songs from the last two years would be your favorite Justin Timberlake songs. Because it's just, no. that's how they do it. Yes, they're great at what they do. But what they do is not all that super artistic and and... And just I mean it's not I mean, I guess I look I'm I'm expecting something different than the majority of people, clearly. But well, I have no expecting? interest. I have no interest. I I like a heartfelt meaning to some music. I like to have some feeling beyond just that. Now, if I want to get up and dance around, probably gonna put on a Bruno Mars or a Justin Timberlake. But
0: what about a Kendrick Lamar that talks in the face of Fox News? Mm-hmm. That was Kendrick up for of the year.
1: And and yes, don't get me wrong, because something is in the Grammys doesn't make it crap but what i'm yeah. saying is the whole idea of like well this is the best that's out there because of i mean these amazing record sales and all this amazing record play and all these tweets. like well yeah but you guys bought and paid for all of that i mean that's all See, that's I, how that works but i don't
0: i don't think that's I think that's still evident today, but I don't think that's as evident today as it was in nineteen ninety eight. I think True. with the yeah. I think with the advancements of things like YouTube, mm-hmm. Spotify, Discover, mm-hmm. uh, what's up, Pandora, yeah. the, you know, the online streaming services, you yeah. can create and this is the other thing that I like about it, is you can create a following without the you know backing of RCA or whatever but here's the can. other thing mm-hmm. here's the other thing and i think it's almost bad and good is because you can create this following of just specific music because of the discover tool or the search tool and all that there could be for example let's just use best new artist right there could be six best new artist nominees that you've never heard of because all you listen to is your, your niche. Like mm-hmm. music has been so niched that you don't even know like Khalid, right? Mm-hmm. One best new artist, uh, not at the Grammys, but at the MTV Uh, Video Music Awards, which is essentially the same thing, you know. Sure. And I was like, I've never even heard of this guy. Nineteen ninety-eight, you heard of every single new artist, right? Like, even if you hated it, like if you listened to Corn, you at least knew who Ninety Eight Degrees was because, Mm -hmm. well, crap, it's on TRL or it's on whatever or it's on the radio. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, you don't even have to listen to it. So I like the Grammys for this point. It's okay. I've been in. Let's just say a EDM phase, right? Where I've been just listening to Odessa and blah 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 blah, and just the whole time I needed some new, fresh blood, right? Mm-hmm. And they put out so many musical performances. It's you know Chris Stapleton of country music. It's Bruno Mars. It's all this stuff that hopefully, I would hope the their goal is that hey, here's a new song that you haven't heard, and I go, wow. I didn't know who this person was. And then you get on your Spotify or your mm-hmm. Pandora or your Google machine and you go, I'm going to look up this. And then there you go. Now you have a brand new artist because the Grammys exposed you to a music you never heard of.
1: Yeah, I guess, man. I mean, And I have, have watched before, too. And there's some merit in watching the performances. Those are always you know, more often not an impressive uh, performance Logic, by whoever's going Logic on there. Logic
0: did amazing, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I don't mean to like – I don't think that – because you talk politics, that means it's powerful. However, I do think that if you talk about mental health and an age where it's such on this pendulum of, should we talk about it? Should I over talk about it and become that person? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That it's a touchy subject. And I thought he did it beautifully. Mm. Logic. He's the best. I thought yeah. he should have won a uh, song of the year, too. But, you know, Bruno
1: Mars, baby. <laughs> yeah. Bruno Mars, man. Bruno Mars, hey, happiest guy, Bruno the, Mars. happiest guy, happiest yeah. guy in the room, right? I mean,
0: uh, 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 little Filipino girl, Don't get me wrong. I,
1: love I have music. never, I have never heard a Bruno Mars song where I was like, "Well, that sucks." I just like it's just, you know what I mean? I just, you know, I mean, just hearing like, "Well, it love won 17 now? awards, Plus, yep. designed to be the meaning it was the greatest songs of of, of the year," and I'm like, eh, okay, but, uh, but you know the Grammys have launched careers. Remember
0: Lauren Hill with the miseducation of Lauren Hill that launched her career. And then yeah. she married a Marley and then had to like retire from music. And then he can also uh, revitalize his career. Remember mm-hmm. in 2003, I believe it was Carlos Santana, who was the 1970s, like guitar God revamped with this whole thing with Rob Thomas and Dave Matthews and all these other people and won like six yeah. Grammys. And like, I, yes! know. I,
1: I would love the Grammys more. I think if just, I, I think I just, disagree with the norm and what's out there on your everyday contemporary radio that, 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 that should merit what everybody listens to the most, I guess. You know what I mean? Like I just, it's not, there's no, there's well, not a whole lot of variety. It's formulaic. It's No, because even yeah.
0: last year, last year Beck won best album, wasn't it? Or the year before that Beck Beck isn't even on anyone's no, radio station well. right now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I love was on somebody's he's on somebody's, but yes, I mean, again, and of course, like I said, there are outliers and the Grammys do, a, you know, they do not only focus on just pop or, you know what I mean? What you would call it, that Up. or whatever the majority, you know what I'm talking about? And just Grammys aside, it's that music industry focus on that, that hyper focus on everything pumped out as this, like, you know what I mean? I, I couldn't tell you. Who, if I listen to, uh, let's say, a station my daughter's got on right now, and I listen to seven songs by four different female artists, I probably couldn't tell you the difference between a couple of them. It just is very formulaic. It's over. And it's the same problem in, in contemporary country radio, and even contemporary uh, alternative radio is getting some of that going on. There's just mm-hmm. a, they figure out a melody that's hot, so every song has that that very melody, or you know, for a little while. And it's just it's it's what I said. you was is the science. There's more science than it is art, and it's just not as interesting to watch science as it is art to me or listen Well,
0: hey, it. I'm going to just leave you with this before we get into the next topic. Uptown Funk You Up.
2: Tim and Tom.
0: Sunday night, you weren't watching the Grammys, so what were you doing? I was watching
1: the WWE Royal Rumble. That was fun.
0: Yeah, so was I. I yeah, watched yeah, yeah, I know, I know.
1: My <laughs> wife watched the Grammys, and I saw I would watch by, but uh, uh, walk by and catch that.
0: Yeah, so the biggest news story from this for people who wanted our uh, takes on going into the Rumble, listen to a Spanish Announce Table episode that we did previewing the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of just a quick because we did that, I feel like we should just recap it in just the quickest of forms. I thought overall it was a really fun show. I thought the men's match was fantastic. I thought the women's match, uh, on paper was really, really done well. Like I, I liked every decision and, uh, execution that they made. Mm -hmm. It was a little clunky at times, but that's, to be expected on your first time doing it. I thought some of the other uh, matches, marquee matches, like the title matches were fine and served its purpose. Uh, Overall, I enjoyed it a lot.
1: Yeah. The women's rumble, they did really well. Even as you said it's to be expected. They've never done this. They don't even typically do a whole lot of any kind of rumble style matches that over the rope, everybody in the ring at once, they typically haven't had Enough on the roster to do it, so it is pretty impressive that it went mostly seamless. You know
0: exactly, but the biggest news story to come from the Royal Rumble actually transcended uh, pro wrestling itself and got into the mainstream with the debut of the full time wrestler. Even though she did not turn up on the next night of Monday Night Raw mm-hmm. or Tuesday Night SmackDown, mm-hmm. was MMA superstar. Aranda, I won an Olympic medal and UFC title, and I am awesome with my mom jeans and oversized jacket. Rousey, Olympic medal? Yeah, she's an Olympic medalist in
1: judo. Uh, I aware
0: That's that. how. So, so quick like snippet on her story. She became famous in MMA before she became good because she was Olympic medalist. So everyone was like, how will Olympic medalist and judo in the female competition <clears throat> fare against these women who have been doing mixed martial arts really well.
1: If you didn't notice uh, pretty well.
0: Yeah, she did great. She did yeah. awesome against the best girls of her time mm-hmm. until the next girls uh, caught up to her that and kick hey, in the head. Oof. Yeah. And then she, short-circuited like no other athlete I've ever seen other than maybe Mike Tyson I've ever seen in my life. Uh, She just short-circuited and was like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm always a front-runner. I'm not the front-runner. And now she's done. So now she's in WWE. And uh, I thought her debut was bad.
1: Yeah, it was was odd um, placement. It was odd. It wasn't necessarily odd placement, if there would have been more, I guess, but it was. Yeah. Odd. What's her finisher? The point. Yeah, and what are you pointing at? Am I now? I'm to expect that you're going to WrestleMania, but to do what? To whom? Oh, and here's the other question. Three here's people the in question here.
0: Here's the other question that I we saw on Twitter. If all it takes is to show up and point at a sign, all the other women did it wrong oh, by sure. fighting each other. They should yeah. have just
1: pointed, just at, the pointed the at the sign. Pointed at the sign. I didn't realize that's all it took. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm wish. gonna. Hey man, I'm going to hop up yeah. in there in the Next show, we got Smackdown gonna, coming here I'm going to go
0: yeah, I'm going to try this in my uh, personal And professional life, I'm going to put a sign that says Raise, and I'm just going to point to it And see point if my there. boss gets the point Hey,
1: raise well, I'm just going to point at his title on his desk And be like <laughs> Promotion <"Yeah." laughs> And then I'll smile, I'll try to shake his hand And then I'll point back at it And smile again yeah, it seemed odd. It was weird because I don't know that this is going to go well for her because it is much different. We've talked to Anthony Sharkbait Gutierrez in past episodes, local MMA fighter and professional wrestler with the National Wrestling League. It is a tough transition for people who don't understand that. There's totally different skill sets, and one of those involves a bit of showmanship, which Ronda Rousey isn't exactly known a whole lot for, you know, while performing. Like, she's been right. out in media, darling, but. Now,
0: I guess the big question comes as to the type of deal that she has, because like I just mentioned, she wasn't on Monday Night Raw. As of this recording, SmackDown isn't over, but she hasn't debuted on that episode either. So it doesn't look like to be the full schedule as everyone else, but do you see Ronda Rousey doing a Brock Lesnar and say, competes at Survivor Series, SummerSlam, (sighs) WrestleMania, and then, I'm making this up, UFC, 256 and goes and does a UFC fight. I
1: I would think almost to start it might be better because you're going to A, have to have somebody who can carry the match and call the match and dictate the match in ring while it's going on, right? Because she's not going to have enough skill to do that on her own. Uh, For those who don't know, a professional wrestling match, somebody in that ring, one of the competitors is kind of leading what's going on. They know the steps. They're basically saying, all right, you know, in a moment we're doing X, Y, and Z here or whatever. So she's not going to know how to do any of that. I have no doubts the WWE Performance Center, they can get her physically trained up to to take bumps, pull maneuvers, that kind of thing. Uh, But there's a whole other thing about working a crowd, charisma, showmanship, storytelling uh, that she's got none of. So... To start, it's almost better because that's going to get less exposed, right? And you get like a Charlotte or somebody to to take care of that. Because I just I've never seen in Ronda Rousey in the little bit that we've seen her in this avenue of wrestling. Obviously, it's early, but. I, Felt right. like a, it feels a little flat.
0: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the greatest of impressions to start. However, you know, people have overcame worse and made a good career in the pro wrestling field. I, I do feel eventually she will get the itch to compete again. I think the wear and tear of... Oh, I'm going to allow you to body slam me. That kind of mentality will eventually wear thin for her. And also the competitive juices of, I actually really want to punch someone or I actually really want to grapple or I actually miss putting people in arm bars, you know, in 10 seconds, less than an Instagram video, I think. And Dana White saying, Hey, WWE, I'm going to share you, uh, Ronda Rousey in return. I want her back because we've got a bum or someone right? and we're going to, cash in on this that's yeah. what i think now, but she said Chelsea?
1: she said in an interview this is my life now uh so yeah
0: she she was uh very Uh, interesting in her response to, is this now her full-time thing? Actually, the question was phrased, uh, is she retired from MMA? Uh, And the first thing she said was, well, I never retired from judo. Well, Rhonda, you also haven't done it in eight years. So I think you are. And so by saying that, yeah, by saying that, uh, I never said I was retired from MMA, but I guess if that's what people want to say, I think you're saying that you are without saying that you are.
1: Yeah. I never quit a few jobs that I'm not working at either. So. Right, yeah. Yeah. So unless you're reading you know, unless you're reading my application or resume. Uh, then that's just a joke for the podcast purposes.
2: <clears throat> Tim and Tom. Hey, we've got a great guest. We're gonna
0: oh, be talking yeah. about Casey auction mm-hmm. and appraisal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna kind of smarten, mm-hmm. yeah, smarten you up to all that kind of uh, business and um, I guess culture that, that yeah. goes into understanding uh, what it's like to be in that uh, industry. And so we've got that on the other side of the break.
1: Yeah, Jason sounds, uh, you'll hear it. Uh, it's its its fun. It's interesting work that he does. And I, as you'll find out, you could probably imagine here that it's, uh, we only scratch the surface, obviously. This guy does a lot of, of hand, gets his hands on a lot of interesting stuff. So we'll talk more about that when we come back up to Tim and Tom.
0: Fun fact, 2% of couples fall in love in a supermarket.
4: Said if I ever get a chance, I'm taking it. I moved to Atlanta. I had so much to show. The city showed me quickly, man. I had so much to grow. $400 in my pocket. I have nowhere to go. Tim
2: and Tom. I'm going to go up and
1: tell somebody. Hey, we've got Jason Roski of the KC Auction Appraisal Company today on the podcast. Somebody says, what is the KC Auction Appraisal Company? What would you give? What's your elevator speech?
5: So what we are is we're a company that services the Kansas City area. We work with, mainly work with folks who are downsizing or are handling uh, parents or loved ones estate. Uh We do a lot of fine art, antiques, and estate liquidation work specializing more in the fine art and antiques end of that spectrum. You sterling silver, jewelry, painting, sculpture, good furniture. And what we do is we help alleviate the burden of the transition that life presents us. Uh, we take a lot of that burden off of people's shoulders and, and take it onto
0: our own. And at the end of the day, we get a, a check for some proceeds when we're all said and do How do you get into this kind of business? I mean, what, what made you get into the, uh, the auction and appraisal, uh, I guess, industry?
5: Sure. So when I was a kid, my mom drugged my brother and I to garage sales. Uh, and it didn't matter if it was 40 degrees out or 400 degrees out. We could either sit in the hot or cold car and complain, or we could go into the sale and try and get mom to buy us a toy or a book mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. And I had um, other businesses that failed miserably, <laughs> and uh, I had a bunch of stuff. So I started selling stuff to you know, try and keep the the bill collector at bay, because in your young business, uh, you know, young in life, that's always an issue. And uh, so I started selling things I'd picked up over the years and I started noticing back when Kansas City had a a couple of flea markets that were uh, monthly down at the uh, old governor's building at Kemper Arena. And I started noticing what people were selling there and what it was selling for and just really analyzing what made one thing more valuable than another. I had no experience in this at all before I started 25 years ago, Uh, other than my mom drug me to sales and she liked depression glass. (laughs) <laughs> and so I just started kind of trying to figure out why, you know, I'm sitting next to a guy who's got a, the same size booth that I do, but he just sold a piece of glass for $700 and I can't sell $70 worth of stuff in a day. Mm. Uh, and it just kind of led to that. Uh, I was fascinated by that, you know, garage sales are, it's America's marketplace, right? You can buy almost anything at a garage sale or a swap and shop or an estate sale. You know, knowledge is king in those instances. If you know something that the seller doesn't know is you can make a profit and mm. and you know, maybe take your girlfriend at the time or wife out to a nice dinner and have a enjoy it so that's kind of where it started
1: so you say you yeah- I hope one of these failed businesses wasn't a podcast about uh the Kansas City folks and uh but <laughs> no I mean it, yeah you yeah, remember when I started this there was no such thing as a podcast, <laughs> sure, okay, now you've turned it into this this gigantic thing that wins awards and is on on television i mean how when you started doing this at what point did you go oh this is what i'm here to do this is how this is how i'm going to get by
5: sure so i i kind of piddled around by the selling for a long time my wife and i've been married over 20 years now and she supports me fully uh in what i'm doing so i, I was given the opportunity to explore the industry a lot over the years mm. i traveled the country doing antique shows i just enjoyed this stuff i enjoyed seeing things and handling things that most people don't think about it or have the opportunity to think about. And then as I was continuing in the buying and selling end of it, doing shows, selling on eBay, having a shop, setting up in booths and malls and all those kinds of things, I was getting more and more phone calls and having more and more conversations with people who's, you know, they'd inherited a house full of stuff and they didn't know what to do with it. And uh, could I help them? And that happened regularly. And I started noticing that, there was a lot of opportunity to help folks liquidate and move on and process a situation that nobody's prepared to handle. I can help them go through that. I can make some money on it by helping them and they, they can you know have a just kind of relieve their stresses and burdens that we all have and, and take some of that off of the shoulders and just make it a little bit less of a stressful situation for them. I don't know when the exact time of that was, it just kind of happened 12 to 15 years ago. I started really seriously considering the idea of an auction house. I've been to hundreds of auctions over the years. And at the time, Kansas City, there were not a lot of auction options in the city. Uh, there was a place down in Gardner that was been there since 1971 called Strickers. They're still in business. There were one or two others. But in Kansas City itself, there really wasn't much. And so I started... Looking for a place, I found a place in the West Bottoms. I opened up the same month, or basically, it's good juju down there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And people told me, people told me I was crazy. Uh, They said in you know three months we'll see what's in this building next. And (laughs) we just kept on going. I was too dumb to know I shouldn't be able to succeed at it, and kept on going and (laughs) and uh, sold enough to pay the bills and. Keep, you know keep the doors
0: open I've seen shows you know like pawn stars or on PBS the the road show uh, the traveling Road show uh, all, all of these people appraise all of these items uh, how does that work and is there a lot of research that goes into the items that you're getting and putting up you know, back for sale, or how does the appraisal part of this business work? Sure. So let's talk about the antique
5: show. I actually uh, work with KCPT. We, we've promoted that event when he came to town last time. I know a bunch of the appraisers from events I've done around the country. So, the, so the, the men and women who are set up as the expert, as the appraisers in that situation, most of them have a minimum of 20 years of experience. Mm. And they are seeing, no lie, 10,000 people cumulatively during the course of one day and each person has you know two or three items with them so they're really processing a a ton literally of stuff in a day by doing this every day and with the research technology and tools available in the last you know five to ten years Mm -hmm. it's not that it's easy it's just that it's much more efficient Mm -hmm. and when you spend your day doing it you just understand where you need to look and what are the You know, keyword optimization, you hear that in the SEO world, and the search engine optimization kinds of things. Well, the same thing holds true when you're trying to research an item. What are the keywords that other people with similar types of things would use to describe it if they didn't know what it was and then also if they did know what it was? And then there's a lot of subscription services out there that we we pay for on a monthly basis Mm -hmm. to get prices realized, both here in the States and overseas. And it's just a matter of continually self-educating. There's not a lot of opportunities for study in the specifics in this industry. There's appraisal courses where they teach you the nuts and bolts of how to create an appraisal report and, and what you need to do to become uh, USPAP compliant, which is if you're doing uh, something in a legal standing, whether it's a divorce or an estate distribution as far as a donation to an organization – there are certain things you need to have in the appraisals and written out in such a way that the government, the IRS, says that's a valid way to do it. But as far as knowing the merchandise, you know, research is key, but really it's a matter of just touching it and seeing it and feeling it. And you know, get
1: that through experience. Because I imagine then there's a whole lot of these times where you're probably annoying the closest person next to you because you're like, oh, man, look at this. Uh, metal from the <laughs> 1980s has a, a sudden surge, like a 5% profit ratio. over." I mean. It just sounds like you've gotta know a lot of stuff about a lot of pricing. It just seems like a lot to hold on to.
5: Yeah, was, you know, it is, but it's like any other business or industry. You know, I heard you guys are Danny O'Neill you know a couple of weeks ago. And he could talk to you for days about coffee, but you understand as the owner of that information that there's only so much you can share. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that's appropriate in a conversation at any given time. Uh if people ask, I love to talk about it. I mean that's what I do. My wife will tell you I'm up till midnight, one o'clock, oftentimes researching things and just, you know, it's kind of like getting stuck down a rabbit hole. You know, good research. Uh, you'll end up finding things you never thought about before and seeing what's popular in the marketplace. And it's just a lot of fun.
1: You said with KC Auction and Appraisal Company, you specifically specialize in sort of these, you know, estate uh situations where there's been a maybe a death or or some situation like that um do you get into other things if somebody's got something and they want to know what it's about like i for instance have something that i'm like man this might be possibly worth something or just something of note is that something you guys handle as well
5: yeah we have that conversation with folks almost every day where people are curious about a specific item And, you know, we we look at a lot of emails on a daily basis and saying those things are on, you know, this is valuable or interesting in the marketplace for this reason or it's not for that reason. Antiques and collectibles and artwork are just like any other kind of home decor. There's ups and downs and that's a cyclical market and there are things that are really popular today that weren't popular 10 years ago and won't be popular 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. And so, so much of what we have to do is keep our finger on the pulse of what's really trading hands and at what level and I, I'm kind of odd in this business. I don't care if something has a lot of value. I just care if it's interesting or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like to make money. I do this to make money. I do this out a full-time employees, single mom. I do this to make enough money for her to feed her family. But I know that if, I, if I'm not interested in it, my customers won't be. And if I lose interest and they lose interest, it doesn't matter how valuable it is. It's just a matter of trading a commodity then. And so we look for things that are interesting to sell. And we have found that the market really responds to that. And then it doesn't matter if it's a fifty dollar thing. If people are excited about it, it's a great fifty dollar item, uh, as compared to a you know a really boring plain Jane five hundred dollar item. I, yeah, I'd rather sell, you know, I mean I'd like to sell a bigger number of pieces, but you know, cool fun stuff is a lot of fun to sell too
0: that kind of leads us into our next question because now it's curiosity kills the cat of uh, (laughs) all the things that you've sold what is the most interesting thing or and it doesn't have to be one item specifically if there's a few you know feel free but what comes to mind when when we ask you what's the most interesting thing you've sold
5: there's a lot of things that come to mind i mean individually i mean i think of the pieces that i've sold for the most money uh, you know, I sold a, a lamp, a pearpoint, puffy reverse painted lamp that means nothing to many people, but it's a you know, high end circa 1910 lamp. When I was in the D.C. area, I bought it for like 500 bucks, sold it in two days for $10,000. I mean, that was that sticks out. Right. I worked on another estate that had and this was one of those bizarre little obscurities that I had no idea at the time was worth this much. <clears throat> this was 20 years ago. I bought a small estate. And in one of the bedrooms was a like a little souvenir glass, but it had Kentucky Derby on it. And those have usually have some value, right? 30, 40, 50 bucks if they're old enough. Well, this one happened to be like the rarest of the rare in the Kentucky Derby glass world. And this is when eBay was still a really strong, viable marketplace and before I was selling for other people. We were going up to Minnesota to visit my family for Christmas. I'm like, I'm gonna put like ten things on so when we come back, I've got some money, you know. Well, I put this thing out like 10 o'clock at night. The next morning, it's at $151, and I've had two emails, and one of them says, I can't afford this, but don't sell it to somebody early. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Well, it was made during World War II. There's glass shortages, and they didn't produce a year. And there's all these kinds of things. It sold for $11,000. Wow. <laughs> and it was really a 50-cent you know, glass. Wow. Other things that, that we work on that are really exciting, we just, in fact, we're in the midst of working on it now. My wife and I have been supporters of the Nelson and have gone to the Nelson since before we were married. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite paintings in there is this painting called Brutality by a local artist, John Douglas Patrick. He was from the the Mission area. Mm -hmm. His family was an early settler down there. And his granddaughter called me up and said, my grandfather was John Douglas Patrick, the guy who painted Brutality at the Nelson. I was like, really? Because I knew that painting immediately. It's something I've always been passionate about. And she said, when my grandfather died, my mother kept all of the paintings, and then my well, – we've kept all the paintings since then, and he died in 1937. Yes. There's very little information about this artist out there anywhere. In fact, when we got this call, you couldn't find anything on Wikipedia or anything out there. Well, this guy, he was you – know, he traveled to Paris in the 1880s. He was uh, – he earned medals in Paris at the Universal Exposition in 1889. He exhibited at the 1904 World's Fair. But he never pursued creating art as a business. He just created art because he liked to. And he, he taught at what became the Kansas City Art Institute. And he just continued to paint and draw his entire life. And so she said, we have a lot of pieces, probably over 100. Mm-hmm. I was like, really? I go to this lady's house and go to her basement, in Sherry's basement, they've been kept for the last 50 years or so and there's hundreds of paintings and hundreds of drawings and we're working through that now and it's been just the work is great it's a local connection but what's been even more satisfying is the work we've done since we started this project there's a fully developed wikipedia page about him now there's been articles written about him all over the country with some international publicity about him as well because of his time spent in paris and so the family has a legacy they can look at. They're obviously happy about the money that we're getting for them as well, but their grandfather is getting some of the recognition that he was due and deserved, you know, his entire mm-hmm. lifetime. And it wasn't that he was obscure; he just never sold anything. And so his work is finally coming out in the public and going to homes. And it's 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 probably the most exciting project we've worked on, uh, as far as a singular estate and going from this obscure thing to this
1: great, you know, local importantly historic, locally important uh, Yeah, archive no and that certainly is neat so what i mean i've been to some of these estate sales and things of that nature obviously you've been to i couldn't even count how many exponential more oh. than than i've been but right. uh obviously this is a numbers game you've got to dig through a bunch of uh, non-valuable stuff to to come across them but what kind of numbers are we talking about i mean how many times do you leave something empty-handed
5: so I used to go to a lot of sales. I don't go to nearly as many now because we get calls to come in and look at the entire estate. Sure. Uh, but but when, you know, we talk about what you should look for if you're out there at sales all the time because it's part of our business. Mm-hmm. And really, it just depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for used furniture, estate sales are a great place to pick it up for pennies on the dollar. And you can buy, I mean, if you're looking this weekend, you can buy pretty much anything you want if you spend in some time. Where it be, Where the numbers become more challenging is if you're a really hardcore collector and you've been collecting something for a long time, it's hard to find something at at an estate sale that is different than what you already have uh, and at a price that you feel is a reasonable buy. Mm -hmm. If you're buying to resell, it's really just a matter of familiarizing yourself with a few key areas that you can really that you enjoy. And you can study and understand when you go through a house that if you see a bronze vase in the corner, that even if it's not signed, it has the right color, it has the right size, it has the right subject matter, that it might have more value than what they're asking for it there. Um, and there's so many little, little niche areas. Cigarette lighters can be worth a lot of money, and it used to be you could pick up good cigarette lighters for 2 and $3 and sell them for hundreds of dollars on eBay. Those kinds of things have changed some of the seller's have generally gotten more intelligent. Mm-hmm. They understand the research end of it a little bit more. And, you know, if you're selling for an estate, the last thing you wanna do is find out that you sold something for ten bucks that sold for a thousand dollars. Right. That does I mean, you know, it makes for a great story for your buyer, but your seller, if they hear that, they get really upset. Uh-huh. Um, of course. And rightfully so. Because they hire you, you know, even if you're not an expert, they expect you to have enough information and enough resources to at least catch it and get a reasonable price for it.
0: So I'm looking at the website uh, kcauctioncompany.com, and I was looking at the calendar, and it looks to be on uh, February 5th. You have uh, the February Fine Art and Antique Auction. Tell us a little bit about that event.
5: Sure. So yeah, we do we do about an auction a month, two maybe two a month. And they're all online. The bidding is all online. We went that route about five years ago, and found that it's worked out really, really well for most of our customers. They love the convenience of being able to look at the catalog and bid on things from the convenience of their own home after they got home from work. Uh, In this auction, we have more artwork by Patrick, Uh, but we have everything from Tiffany sterling silver to, you know, curio cabinets, uh, stacking lawyers' bookcases, designer 1960s and 70s furnishings local art. I mean, those are the kinds of things that we like and our buyers like, and we're always looking for it. Uh good jewelry. We have probably 30 lots of you know, good jewelry in this auction as well. And it's, you know, it's just, it's a lot of fun. If you're looking for interesting things to make great gifts, we sell a lot of things to people who friends, you know, they like art or they like jewelry, or they're looking for something for their home, for their kids. Uh, we sell a lot of pieces as gifts and things like that. And then to collectors and decorators as well and if you're using a decorator to help you decorate your home a lot of them are buying from us so you can kind of cut out the middleman and buy from places like me and save the 30% markup
0: <laughs> and uh That's to follow up on that this is a fine art uh, and antique auction is that what's what's your favorite type of auction to go to is it the estate kind of sales is it one of these fine arts where you're seeing you know jewelry pieces things like that what do you enjoy to go to or host the most uh the ones i like to go to the most if i'm going to a what you'd consider a traditional live auction event is one where the auctioneer is clear
5: and concise and has interesting i like art my wife and i've always liked art we are members of the nelson we support the symphony and the flint hills when it's out there that's that's something we just gravitate towards and i just like looking at things that you know i my mom dragged me to garage sales, like I said before. We were not buying things at high-end department stores. I like seeing and exposing myself and my children to things that I just was never exposed to and certainly couldn't afford when I was younger, and my, my family couldn't. My folks weren't that interested in this kind of thing. So I just like seeing kind of how the other half lives because um, we get to see glimpses, right? It's mm-hmm. It's really a fascinating social commentary as far as what somebody's collected over the years, what they felt was important to keep, what the kids didn't think that was important to keep, what do they let out in the public? Uh it's really fascinating when you look at the so at the uh sociology of it and the psychology of it. And then it's as much fun at a at a live auction event to watch what other people are doing. The the bidding psychology, do they bid aggressive? Are they really timid? Do they like to be seen to bid? Are they, you know, kind of hiding their bids so nobody else sees them buying something the uh, same kinds of things hold true in the online bidding platform. You can kind of see some people are mm-hmm. aggressive. Uh, they bid a lot or they bid a high dollar amount early. Others are, you know, really uh, trying to be subtle about it. <clears throat> and it's, uh, like I said, it's just really kind of fun to watch it. I just like the, the people watching is as, as fun as anything at an estate sale or a state
1: auction. Yeah, that that can be fun anywhere you go. Hey, you you kind of mentioned this whole um idea where you know some people. It's interesting to see what people have kept and what people thought was important. Obviously, I didn't know at ten. Boy, I could keep some of these you know He-Man Master of the Universe toys, and they might be worth something to somebody in twenty years. How how what line would you recommend to somebody to go between hoarders and antique roadshow? I mean, how do you? What, what's a healthy balance there?
5: Right. So we tell people if you, and I understand the idea of you know buying and investing and putting it away for later. Mm-hmm. I, I get that to a certain degree, but you can let it overrun your life. Right. And 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 we see some of that. Um, most buyers today that we work with, uh, they don't, they're not very public about it if they're if they're still doing that. Because the shows shows like quarters have really exposed how bad that can get. Mm-hmm. And We work with order houses on occasion. It's really, uh, it's it can be really challenging to work through that. Yeah, it's it is yeah. intense because you just to imagine that somebody let a family member live like that is really disturbing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as things that you know, I tell people enjoy what you're buying. Don't buy it with an investment in mind. Buy it because you love it. Buy it because you'll enjoy it. Buy it because you'll use it. I tell people, you know, we I do a weekly question on our website on Facebook Live, and one of them was, use the China. You know, so many people have sets of China that they've inherited over the years that they can never use because it was, you know, as grandma said to China, well, use it. That's what it was for. Right. Um, you know, if you have worn rugs, put them on the ground and walk on them. Yeah, you might have to clean up, but i haven't cleaned up every once in a while, but these things are meant to be used and enjoyed and have a life and, and bring joy to your life. And if you can enjoy it by walk, looking at it a china cabinet, that's fine. But if you have, you know, sets of sterling flatware and good sets of china, put them out. Use them on a Thursday night dinner because it's just Thursday night. And it will change the mentality of young folks. I mean, I don't know about you guys. When I was a kid, I heard Don't Touch That a hundred times at Grandma and Grandpa's house mm-hmm. every time Brilliant. we went. Yeah. Right. So we've all heard that. And when you tell, an ent- and it's, I don't know if that was unique to our generation, but I don't, I think it kind of was. When you tell an entire generation of kids don't touch it, well, guess what? They don't yes. want to touch it when they're adults either. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. And, and it kind of, that's led to the last 10, 15, 20 years, an actual decrease in values of a lot of antiques and collectibles that at one point were considered to be you know, blue chip investments and always going to go up in value. Of course the markets change and sure. the demographics of a country changes and the baby boomers are now downsizing and retiring and moving to Florida. And they're going from the 6,000 square foot house to a 2,200 square foot condo. Mm-hmm. And they have two kids as opposed to four brothers and sisters. You know, my and parents the kids <laughs> are having kids. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, you're, and, you're, and their kids are having two kids uh, later in life. And it's just, it's a complete change in the whole way the world distributes used pieces and estate mm-hmm. items through a family um, and and it's just a matter of kind of trying to navigate that, understanding that as let's say it's your grandparents and they've collected these things. Some lady, uh, a gentleman today, or her, her, his wife has collected perfume bottles and hat pins and dolls for a long time, and has come to the realization at 70 years old that her kids appreciate them, but they don't need a hundred dolls.
1: Mm-hmm. So what do but you the think? The real question.
5: The real thing is. Go ahead. Did she, did she enjoy it enough to have it herself? And when people yeah. are looking to buy things, if you get to the end of your life and nobody wants it, will it still be worth it? Will you enjoy having it more than the value that you put into it?
1: Right. So, so what do you think my father's uh, truck stop eight track tapes are probably worth then? He's got about 17 of them things still stuffed in a box. <laughs> I don't even think he's got a player. You for know,
5: eight, eight tracks are, I've heard, I've not followed this market closely, but I've heard that eight tracks There is a small group of collectors out there. Uh-huh. The problem with A tracks is they actually break. Yeah. And once they're broken, you can't. The same thing Let's with see. records. Records are a really hot market right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the condition is so crucial uh, in the value of any of these things. You know, a record in you know that's still sealed can be worth a hundred dollars. You open up the plastic and it's worth fifty, and if it's in scratch, it's worth ten bucks. And and that holds true in so many different other areas. Uh, a piece of glass that's in perfect shape worth five hundred bucks with a chip that's worth
1: two hundred easily. Uh, can really drop the value quickly. Well, Tom, our get rich plan uh, went out the window with that. Um, <laughs> another you. another thing I got here. I want to know. You mentioned auctioneers, and you mentioned concise and clear. Some of these auctioneers are not. What is, is there? A purpose behind that culture? Is there a reason why it generated this, you know, fast talking, you can barely understand them? Or obviously you must have been around, you know, 10,000 auctioneers. Do you have any insight on this?
5: Historically, it was uh, just a means to move the auction along, uh, to speak faster. And most auctioneers, and there's a fine line between speaking quickly and speaking unintelligibly.
3: Mm
5: -hmm. Um, When I used to call, I used to bid call two or three times a month. The difference between an auction chant and a conversation is that when you're using an auction chant, you have no punctuation. Yeah. In a conversation, you have sent, you have periods, you have commas, and you have breath. Mm-hmm. When you're selling it at an auction, you have none of those things. you just keep talking, no matter what's that's going on. You just keep moving your mouth and putting out words and numbers, and, and people will kind of catch on to what you're doing. And there's none of that so part of it is you're just talking a little quicker. But you're also not interrupting the flow, right? And it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be an entertainment deal. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people go to a live auction event because it's it's fun, it's interesting. It's what's the auctioneer going to say? Is he funny? Is he is he quick witted? Can he keep the audience's attention? And that was what I did. We really focused on being clear and concise because you know confused bidders don't bid, and that's was my mantra. Mm-hmm. You know, as as an auctioneer. Uh, with the online bidding platform, the same thing holds true. We're really um, transparent in what the bids look like and how that happens, and, and where everybody stands, and it makes all the world a difference.
1: So, I mean, I feel like we've we've only just scratched the surface, but we obviously don't want to keep you all night long. What if people want to learn more, if they want to know more? Obviously, you have KC Auction dot com, but what else can they do?
5: You can give us a call at 816-283-3633. Uh, we, have, uh, we have a very active Facebook page, Casey Auction Company, and you can find that through our website. And that's probably what's become our most used form of conversation with folks, especially who are just kind of exploring, uh, you know, the instant messenger there. We we use that a lot. And like I said, we have a weekly question. If you go to our, our Facebook homepage, you can go back, and I think we have like 30 or so at this point. We started uh, last year where we've explored everything from sterling silver, how to tell you know, sterling from the plate, uh, jewelry, how to sandal an estate, how to talk to your family in times of transition. You know, the holidays just passed and, you know, a lot of people had their last dinner, last last big family dinner at grandma's house at Christmas time. How do you talk to your brothers and your parents and your kids about the next steps, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa are moving to an assisted living facility now, and we've got the big house. How do you, you know, do that intelligently? How do you dispose and disperse the assets to the family equitably? All those kinds of questions we address in our weekly question, and, and that's a great place to you know, get a lot of answers about questions that we get regularly. And then just sending us an email, info at it's really, I mean, I was answering emails at one thirty this morning because I was working late on a cat, catalog uh, and people had questions and just an easy way to respond. So those are the best ways
1: to get a hold of us. All right. Well, we appreciate you coming on here and telling us some interesting tidbits. I mean, I feel like there's, uh, your your travels can probably uh, be best told over tales for hours, but uh, I mean, we'll, we'll have to let you get out of here. But <laughs> but it, I, it's, it's very unique what you do and it's interesting to hear more about it. We appreciate you coming on.
5: Well Tim and Tom, appreciate you guys having me on and uh look forward to being again. If you guys ever need a week that you have a, an empty spot, I'd be happy to fill in and, and uh go again.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
2: Tim and Tom. Tom,
1: we mentioned uh that we didn't get a whole lot done uh last week in a week. I was sick, not feeling well. I mean I you know it's uh it is winter time, but uh, we've got for those who want to get out and do something this weekend, right? It's coming up. Or the next weekend, they're going to go explore the city, have some fun. What could they do, Tom?
0: Well, I tell you what, uh, Kansas City's picking it up with their events. uh, As typical in January, it's kind of slow moving. People are paying off their credit card bills from Christmas. Uh, They're laying low because of the weather, things like that. But in February, we start to get back into the swing of things as far as those marquee events coming back to Kansas City. And it starts... Soon, So let's get into it. The first thing I've got for you, February 9th at the Kansas City Convention Center. That is 301 West 13th Street, uh, Kansas City, Missouri. We have the O'Reilly's Auto Parts World of Wheels. I tell you what, this is one of the most fun events. If you're a kid, I kind of feel like it has to be a part of your life because it's a part of every kid's life. Even if you don't like cars, Uh, it is going to be a great time. Um, It is going to be just every type of car you can think of from custom, you know, tricked out uh, roadsters to those classic Model Ts, the souped up fast and furious taking corners on your e-brake to the going down a quarter mile Mustangs and everything in between. And that is going to be, again, February 9th. Uh, at the Kansas City Convention Center, O'Reilly Auto Parts, World of Wheels.
1: I feel like, first of all, these events are always fun if you've never been to one, Worlds of uh, Wheels. And even people who aren't car people, right? I'm not a car nut, but I you know, I don't know what cars are. You, I don't feel like anybody ever isn't like at least intrigued and entertained when they go to a major car show like this. Even if you're not like into cars, it's hard not to be like, wow, look at some of these things. I mean, they're always intriguing to me, at least.
0: Definitely. And uh, this goes from February 9th to February 11th. So if you can't make it out on that first day, uh, you got two more days. um, And it starts on February 9th at 3 p.m. and it goes till 10. So got a couple days, got a long enough time. Great way to start the weekend. And yeah, like you said, I'm not a car person either. But every new 2000 fill-in-the-blank year Mm -hmm. of whatever year you're there and seeing like just the shininess of the body yeah. of the car, right there, is just—it's mesmerizing. You see it, yourself. It,
3: yeah.
0: Well, and, and and it's captivating. It's it's memorable. You know, uh-huh. you 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 see these cars that you know you start off uh, at one wheel and it's purple, and then by the time you get to the back wheel, it's green or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and then you have these engines that you know make a car go zero to sixty in the side of you know in the in the span of a i can't even say it it's just so fast yeah, you know
1: it's fast and so
0: yeah it's fast i want to go it's fast. Too fast
1: for me to even talk about it
0: yeah and so yeah it just gets me all hot and bothered right now i don't even
1: know what i'm doing it's just cars and automobiles and things and all like, of it it's like a world of wheels in here all right so, so yeah that's fun
0: all right so here we go then we're going to get into some fun things this is a more adult oriented but At Union Station in Kansas City, Saturday, February 10th, from noon to 4, we have 2018 KC Brewfest. If you are a fan of beer, this is a must for any person that likes to drink the alcohol beverage. Now, the KC Brewfest brings together dozens of craft and international brewers as well as Kansas City's best local brewers. Uh, the event will take place at the plaza at the historic Union Station and will feature over 40 brewers, 100 beers, music, and food. Admission is $40 um, and VIP is $50, and that includes an additional hour from noon to one featuring, featuring barreled, aged, and rare beers. Mm. So, admission includes beer with food. Uh, admission includes beer with food is sold separately. So you must be 21, obviously, drinking beer. Uh, That's kind of a given. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, this is going to have international beers, local beers, uh, beers from every state you can think of, uh, and it is going to be a great time. Union Station is beautiful. So even if you're just doing a normal walk around, you're going to be uh, kind of mesmerized, like I mentioned with the auto show, as far as the ambiance. And man, these beers are strong
1: and they are good, boy. Yeah, more than worth the price of admission for a thing like this, man. The Casey Fest is always a fun time.
0: Yeah, I've got one of my closest friends, Matt, him and his brother go every year. And it's a staple as far as, you know, putting on the calendar what we're doing this year. That is their go-to. They cannot speak more highly of it. I have yet to go. Uh, I've always wanted to, but due to one thing or another, I haven't. I'm definitely going to try to make it out to this one because uh, all of those beers are mighty tasty. And, hey, 50 mm. bucks for almost basically all you can drink. Let's do it. You know what Let I'm let's saying?
1: Let's do it. All
0: right. Now... Let's get into some fun, all right? Yeah. Kind of like, kind of like the O'Reilly's Auto Part World of Wheels. It's another staple, as far as childhood, mm-hmm. adulthood, just living. If you've never been to this, but it's the PBR Professional yeah. Bull Riders at the Sprint Center, and for the Sprint Center, the address fourteen oh seven Grand Boulevard, Kansas City, Missouri. Now, the PBR. I'm not the biggest cowboy. I'll tell you right from the get go. I'm, I'm a not city the boy. Biggest. Not the biggest cowboy. I, I kinda stay away from you know uh the haystacks. Certainly not the biggest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not the biggest either. But I stay away from the haystacks and the cowboy hats and the you know, spitting Goats. tobacco. But I have been to the PBR professional bull riders. I do think it is interesting. Uh I'm not a fan of the calf uh what's the when they tie up the calf? Uh whatever that's called. Uh I'm not a fan of that because that just I don't know. You're not you're not a tough guy for scaring a little calf and tying its feet together. I don't know. That's just mm-hmm. me. But if you want to jump on one of these bastards and see if you can hang on for 8 seconds, I'm all for it. And so PBR it's great. My grandmother loves the PBR. She watches it over football and like soap operas and the news if it's on television. That is her number 1. Mm-hmm. So that's how I kind of yeah. came about it, but it is it, it is, is a spectacle
1: I'm always just amazed, especially when you get to the bull riding, you know, if you go to any rodeo, there's various competitions, right? They've got, even the roping stuff is impressive. I mean, how they can do no. things so quickly, but, but the bull riding is the thing you're, you're most like locked in on when you go to these things. Right. And it's just, it's just insane. Like that. Somebody would, you know what I mean? They're like, all right, I'm going to sit on this thing. That's it just impossibly right. hard to sit on. And, and yeah. then if I fall off, this thing could end my life in a second.
0: Definitely. Oh. Now,
1: uh, I am not a fan
0: of the calf, uh, roping because like I said, you're scaring a yes, a okay. right. baby and then breaking its neck basically to tie its feet together and then showing off. Shut up. Yeah. But if you want to jump on a thousand pound bull and zag and sit on this thing when it, th- when it's pissed off, whoo, come on with it.
1: Hey, a uh, quick news before we get into your final event here. And by the way, check out that PBR, uh, <laughs> breaking news: ESPN Arrowhead Pride, Washington Redskins uh, are the new home for Alex Smith, quarterback of the wow. Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Huh? What are we get in turn? Uh, I'm trying to look it up now. But how about that? How about this? Is breaking news on Tim and Tom. Of course, you won't hear this until you've already heard about this story. But uh, uh, wow. the deal cannot be completed until the new league year begins. Yeah, I'm saying that the deals haven't been released yet.
0: What so. a stupid move for all involved.
1: You would have kept dumb... Alex Smith, huh?
0: Yeah, he threw for four thousand yards, his most touchdowns and lowest interceptions of his career. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. I would have kept him too. Yeah, you get rid
0: I, of the yeah. fat guy. You don't get rid of the athlete. Ah, <laughs> oh, what a dumb move! And then Alex Smith going to the racial slurs and hanging out up there with no offensive weapons. That's great. Well, well he Let's went from
1: yeah. I mean, he went from a a semi-vague, trying to not be uh, uh, Indian stereotype to a full-blown in-your-face slur, <laughs> Indian slur. slur. yeah, uh, that, oh man, how about that one, the Redskins, if we can talk about this again, uh, just their boldness, they're like, nah, nah, I don't care, we're, we're keeping it, Redskins, so, like, come on, so man, <laughs> anyway, so, so back to the events, uh, Alex Smith, yeah. uh, Gonzo,
0: uh, well, Alex Smith, before you leave, how about you visit this last event that I have for you? Oh,
1: this a segue. Tom, the February segue, king 10th. of Kansas City.
0: <laughs> February 10th, Aventuras VD Party 2018. Mm-hmm. Now, this is hosted by The Buzz. It's going to be at the Record Bar. Uh, I always like to give out addresses because sometimes you don't know where things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Record Bar is 1520 Grand Boulevard. Ah, uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Now the headliner is one of my favorite alternative bands. It's Sir Sly, and check out this nice little jam we got for you here, boy. I've been smoking on
4: the peace
1: Now, uh,
0: yes, it is great. I love this song. Now, Adventure's VD Party is completely free. Here's the caveat. You must be 21 or over with an ID at the door. Uh, so get there early. Uh, they've got some games. They've got um, live music, obviously. Uh, they've got some fun things to fill your empty heart on this mm-hmm. Valentine's Day or VD, as some of us like to call it.
1: I feel like the buzz should get some of your patronage at some of the events they put out simply because they name them so awesomely. Yes. I mean, so, yeah. think about it. A Valentine's Day party, and it's the buzz, which is known for being a little crass and a little, you know, uh, outscrewed in, in your face, and they call it the VD party. I mean, it's amazing. Good on
0: them. Hey, it is Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. It's
1: a VD party. And it's free. Free. <laughs> Come get all the VD a party action you want for free at a Fentress vd party no i like that that's good that's good stuff and this band i'm I'm digging this groove tom yeah they're great maybe i should have watched the gamers uh the grammys and i could have heard about this
0: yeah maybe (laughs) try it (laughs) out try it out tim's favorite
1: you went to college and obviously you went to high school and you know what it's like to to go to a raging house party right Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, I, it, it's it's almost a passage of, of youth in, in America, in the United States of America, right? You go to some house parties, you drink some, some cheap, warm alcohol, and you break something that's not yours, right? I mean, y- and you listen to loud, probably bad music, and you meet someone, and you know, whatever happens, happens, right? House parties.
0: As a part of the American lexicon or international lexicon, even if you're in the Canadians or uh, Mm -hmm.
1: Mexicans
0: or any other nations that we have on this great world.
1: Uh, Well, let me tell you, um, I personally have never lived in Los Angeles, but I can only imagine house parties are pretty intense out there. Wouldn't you imagine?
0: Love house parties. And yeah, out there for sure.
4: For
1: For sure. sure. So it came as a bit of a shock to some of the citizens there to find out that the L.A. City Council was thinking about banning house parties. So what do we do? What do we advocate for all the time here on Tim and Tom? Uh, To use your local political institutions to your advantage, right? You have the right to petition the government. You can go change something that you don't like. You can go try to stop a bad bill from happening. And that is what two uh, upstanding, proud L.A. house partying citizens did, Tom. And I have some audio for you here.
4: Identify yourself.
6: What up council, my name is Chad Kroger. Um, I'm an activist and house party enthusiast. Over the past week, I've been in a state of deep despair upon hearing the news that LA is trying to outlaw house parties in the Hollywood Hills. (laughs) I am here (laughs) determined to stop this future atrocity. House parties were the bedrock of my development as a young man in San Clemente. My first introduction to manhood came when the captain of my water polo team, Boomer Kingsley, asked me to shotgun a tall can of Bud Light in front of the whole squad at his end of the season bash. His parents were in Tahoe at the time, so we tore that weekend up. It was epic, and I was super stoked.
1: Super stoked.
6: My newfound confidence gave me the courage to ask out the most popular girl in school, Lauren Stockholder, to prom that year. She rejected me, and I had to go with <laughs> Stacey McMillan, but I didn't care because I was so amped on chugging with my boys that's what house parties do raging at house parties
1: can, can i pause here for a second this is an official like la city
4: council yes. meeting, okay so it's there's the best. It's
0: the best city council meeting yeah.
6: is, is the thank
4: way you to party. next uh, next speaker so first please of all, come and identify yourself. rude right rude yeah don't cut don't cut the kid off for expressing
1: his own opinion his heartfelt emotions that he clearly listened to him yeah he's an la surfer bro but he had some well-thought-out uh, good words. He was well-spoken, you know, for...
0: And
7: examples. He used examples. good examples.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here we go. We'll, we'll continue on.
7: What up, council? My name is J.T. Parr. I am also here to defend parties in the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love i had keg stands yes i discovered i was great at raging and it revealed wonderful things about myself i could relate to bros regardless of what kind of bro they were i could be at a party and moon people and everyone would laugh you know be witty (laughs) or i could play beer pong and compete with real integrity in short i fulfilled my potential if you outlaw house parties you may keep the volume down but an externality is that you may keep people from bonding America needs bonding. People need to put aside their differences and find common joy. There's no more effective environment for that than a freaking rager. This is the best exemplified of me and Chad's relationship. We were star-crossed. He a surfer, me a bodyboarder. Thank you,
4: thank you. And I want to welcome you to LA Council's Bill and Ted's excellent uh, adventure.
1: Uh, yeah. Okay. Again, right. Again. Timeout. Yeah. Timeout.
0: First off, dated reference. Get it together. That was stupid. Yeah. And second, rude. And you have just dismissed his real concern that you will dis, you will you will do a disservice by not allowing bonding to happen, bonding. which totally does happen at house parties.
1: And I want to clue you into the fact there, Mister Councilman, you stumbled on the term. L.A. City Council's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Meanwhile, he's throwing out externalities. So maybe you should pay attention, huh, bro? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, house, house parties. parties. Man, house parties are a part of the American fabric. Uh, bonding yeah, involved Kegstand. here. Kegstan. Where else are you going to moon people and talk? Where are you going to have surfer bros and body boarders? Just relate, even though they're different kind of bros. It's How not going to happen. How
0: are you going to perfect beer pong if at not a house party? <laughs> Tom's favorite. The Foo Fighters. Yeah. Love them. See, seen them in concert. One of the best experiences I've had in uh, recent memory.
1: They're coming back around here. They're coming here back in here.
0: October. Mm-hmm. Yeah, coming back in October. Uh, amazing. I definitely recommend you coming or going uh, to see them when they do come in town. Uh, they are very fan-friendly, and they're so fan-friendly that uh, a 22-year-old from Everton Hills is still buzzing because he got to go on stage and play with the Foo Fighters. We got some audio for you. Yeah. With 40,000 screaming fans in Suncorp Stadium, rock god Dave Grohl handed his lead guitar for the Foo Fighters to Joey McLennan from Everton
1: Hills. I'm going to give you this. Again, this is random dude they picked from the crowd.
0: Yes, and this is so random that they honestly did not know him. It wasn't one of these things where Mm -hmm. they had a tryout, let's put you here. First off, the Foo Fighters are too genuine to do something that stage. Second, they they don't care if it does fail because to them, they're just going to keep on going with their set. Third off, most likely a Foo Fighters fan, a legit one that has the seats that he was sitting in, probably knows how to play their song. So it was probably a safe bet that this guy knew how to play. But still, nonetheless... They picked this guy and check it out. First challenge, could he play? You, you actually know this song, right? He did, and he rocked.
1: Oof, this is a tough song.
0: Joey quickly took over, bounding down the runway with the crowd, and Dave <laughs> Roll egging him on. By the time the song ended, Joey had 40,000 new fans. Plus one. Joey, I like
6: your style. Today, the 22-year-old still can't believe it. It was the greatest thing ever. It's oh. phenomenal. His grandma has seen him playing in church, <laughs> but nothing like this. I had no idea he could do something like this. And Dave's just one of my idols and the fact that, you know, I got to be in the same breathing space as him (laughs) is, like, going to last me for a lifetime. The night Joey fought the fooies and won.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Max Futscher, 7 News. All right, Max, a little cheesy on the lines there, but you get the idea. Yeah,
0: and credit to Foo Fighters for being cool and being fan-friendly, as I mentioned. And, man, what a great memory. Just like he mentioned, got to play with one of his idols uh, and got to do it well. And he did it in front of 40,000 people.
1: Uh, And that's the thing. That's the kind of thing that can spurn that guy life-changing. He can get gigs playing in bands now. And he's got all this extra audience now that he could go out there and play to that wouldn't have known him otherwise. This is a great example. We say this all the time. You take the shot. Man, when yeah, you take get, your shot. Oh man, if anybody's ever faced with anything, and you know I could rock this, do it, do it, man. Go do, do it. it. You never know what's going to happen. You never know when something like this pops up, and you get a moment. And and this guy's, you know, he's famous now, all over because you know he's he knew how to do some. He'd practice it, done it, whatever. And then here's this moment. They're like, hey, you know how to play this? And you're like, well, actually, do yes, I? I do. You're about to see that I know how to play this. Good for him.
2: Beep tim and tom
0: let's uh, wrap this up mm-hmm. uh we got things to do we got places to be i got some studying to get on <sighs> top of so i can keep a job yeah um uh, so uh credit again to you guys for listening thank you so much uh if you got some time uh tell a friend share the episode and uh, i guess we'll see uh, next <laughs> week right
1: tim yeah, and if you got something that you think might be valuable, check out Casey Auction and Appraisal Company and Jason. They uh, they might have uh, some tips or ideas on what you should do with it. Check them out too. And yes, we will be back next week for more Tim and Tom.
0: Fun fact: Despite spending half his career in the saddle, actor Clint Eastwood is allergic to horses.
4: People stand behind me, killer city got me. Boy, the bossy quick to catch a body. If you try to stop me, put in work to show for me to be a legend, let it drive me. Wasn't thinking about this back when I was chubby, young and snotty in the ghetto with my sister playing on the Tamagotchi. Venture Lee, you'll probably find me off the coast of Abu Dhabi, Elevator in the lobby, Colombiana, beside me, going up. They want to shoot me down. down. Oh, we think he better than us. They going to shoot me down. down. Said he's so fly. They going to shoot me down. down. They'll be posted outside just to shoot me down. Don't say nothing to police for they shoot me down. down. They'll be marching in the streets if they shoot me down. down. Tell me, listen, don't speak or they shoot me down.
2: Tim and Tom.